1: Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. In. Give a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Give a life bigger than
2: yourself. Give it. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today, we will hear a classic message that we believe will be a blessing to you. Our goal is to teach God's Word in a way that compels you to live a life that overflows and blesses others. Let's get started.
1: We are about to begin today our Christmas series, and uh, we're going to be in it a few weeks up until the time of of Christmas. And we're talking about how the Grinch stole Christmas. Christmas. So it's going to be a little bit different than normal, but uh, most of us are familiar with the story. If we, if we didn't read the book written by Dr. Seuss, we certainly saw it in the movies or in the cartoons. And, and just in case there's somebody in here that doesn't know anything about Mr. Grinch, the main character is, again, the Grinch. He's a cave-dwelling, bitter creature with what Dr. Seuss says, He has a heart two sizes too small. He lives as a hermit on a cold, snowy Mount Crumpet, which overlooked Whoville, home of the happy and warm-hearted Who's. His only companion in life was his unloved dog named Max. From his cave, the, the, the Grinch could hear The Christmas festivities, just him and his loyal dog. And he listened to what was going on in in, in Hooverville. And annoyed by the joy, he devises a a wicked scheme to steal everybody's presents, their trees, their food, their gifts, to stop Christmas that year. So what he decided to do, he, he disguised himself as Santa Claus. And he forces his loyal companion, Max, disguised as a reindeer, to drag the sleigh down the mountain towards Whoville. And that night, during one of the the burglaries, the the Grinch bumped into a little girl named Cindy Lou. And uh, when they meet, he concocts this crafty story about, you know, there's something wrong with the tree, I'm here to fix the tree and all that and he quickly escapes from little Cindy Lou's home. Then after spending the night stealing stuff from all the houses of Whoville, the Grinch traveled back to the top of Mount Crumpet, intending to dump all of the Christmas trees off the cliff. And as dawn arrived, because he had worked all night, the the Grinch expected that all the people of of, of Whoville would be in grief. There would be kids screaming, things, you know, being broken and and fingers being pointed. But instead of of, of, of hearing uh, anger and shouting, he heard joyous Christmas songs from the town in Whoville. So as he listened, again, he's about to throw this off the cliff and, and he's about to destroy everyone's Christmas. He's a little bit puzzled, but then it finally dawns on the Grinch that maybe Christmas is about more than trees and presents and, and Santa Claus and, and all the stuff. And because of their joy, the Grinch actually repents. And then the repentant Grinch, who lived with a heart shrunk two times too small, his heart suddenly grows three sizes. And he returns to the village, and he brings back all the stuff he had stolen from the Who's, and he joined them for Christmas. Today, we're going to learn about how Jesus taught us how to make sure that our hearts don't grow two sizes too small. So if you're following with me, open your Bibles to Luke 17 and verse 1. You can follow on the screen if you don't have it on your phone or, or what have you. Jesus is speaking. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible. Meaning don't even waste your time dreaming about it. Don't, don't even think that, that there's any, even the remotest possibility that, that this might be the case in your life. As, as Ali said to Sonny Liston, if you even dream of beating me, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> Some things in life are inescapable. Some things are just a part of life. I don't care who you are. You're going to have to experience them and face them. Jesus said, now how many of you know he's God taking on flesh? And if anybody got this right, it's him. He said, it's impossible. I don't care how good you are, how many church services you go to. I don't care how many times you read through the Bible. I don't care how many names, how many times you call on that great name. This is Jesus is speaking. It is impossible that no offenses should come. Now, the Greek word translated offenses is the word skandalon, where we get the word scandal. And it's, it's a, a word with a very interesting history or origin. It was used for the stick that was used uh, uh, to prop up an uh, uh, animal trap on the unsuspecting victim, and, and, and typically, you know, animals aren't neat and clean, and they don't go around, so foxes are you know, smart like that. But the typical animal, when it goes to eat, it just bumps into things and, and crashes things. And that stick that, 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 that holds up the rock in that photo is actually what the skandalon or s- speaks of. It, the, the skandalon, or, or, or here, the offense that, that, that Jesus is speaking of is that oops-upside-your-head moment. That that we will all have in life at times. We'll all be blindsided by things we didn't expect and things we didn't see coming. And he said, it's impossible for you to ever get to the place that you will not be surprised by events and circumstances. Jesus said, now, we have it on good authority. It is impossible. So why are we dreaming that somehow we're going to be the exception? That we're going to live a life where we go to church where no one gets on our nerves. That that we get into a marriage, that, that, you know, everything's always hunky-dory. We're always just singing, you know, Luther Vandross. Everything's always, always good. Why do we think that we're supposed to have the first perfect family? Even Jesus, the Bible says, was at odds with his brother sometimes. Jesus said, it is impossible. You are naive. You are kidding yourself. If you think that this will not be true for you, it is impossible that no offenses should come. And what he's saying, he's saying is that people are going to take the bait, but woe to you if you're the hook. People are going to trip you up, but woe to you if you're the stumbling block. We will all face false counsel. We will all face fake friends. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. That's just what we do. He continues. But woe, whenever you see the word woe in the Bible, it's talking about something you're going to live to regret deeply. Actually, the, the word woe, I, I believe it's like, it's like a groan. It's, it's, it's a guttural groan. And what he's saying, he's saying, payday may not come every week, but it's coming. He says, Woe to him through whom they do come. The scary part of living is that apart from God's grace, we will all eventually have the life we deserve. You see, the Grinch was lonely because at some point he became mean. This didn't just happen to him. You see, no one enjoys being around a bitter person for very long. You see, at some point, something happened to the Grinch that he just would not let go of. But as I say often, unforgiveness is like drinking the poison and then wishing the other person dies. Jesus continues. He said, it would be better for him if a millstone... A round stone weighing at least 100 pounds or so, used typically to, to, to grind grain and, and uh, typically a, a donkey or, or, or a horse, and sometimes even a person would, 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 would push that millstone. He said it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck, watch this, and he were thrown into the sea. How many of y'all think that sounds just a little bit gangster, just, just a little bit gangster? Yeah. <laughs> You see, Jesus was saying that it would be better for you to wrap three cinder bricks around your neck and for you to jump into the Potomac River than cross him on this point. So what made the kind, the even-tempered, compassionate Jesus start talking about death by drowning? Watch this. then that he should offend one of these little ones. What got Jesus so upset? The little ones. Those that were looking like a child looks to his or her father for protection. Those that with childlike eyes look up to God to defend them to fight their battles, to preserve them. Those silly people who sing songs like, the eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. People who humble themselves before God are the most dangerous people you will ever, ever mess with. Verse 3, he said, Take heed to yourselves, It seems like he's changing the subject because right, initially he's talking about his his enemies. But what had probably happened is the disciples, I'll tell it the way I want, the disciples started high-fiving each other. As Jesus was, was preaching, yeah, God's going to get you if you mess with me. Yeah, that's the type of preaching I've been looking for. Yeah, Jesus, you need to call down some fire. You, 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 I need to see some more thunder flash. Why are you letting these people get away with they're getting away with, Lord? Lord, I, I was waiting for that Messiah to rise up that would start knocking people down and, and jump, jumping people off bridges and, and, and drowning them in the sea. So, so Jesus immediately, well, they got all excited, had to pop their their, their balloon by reminding them that not only will others need to be forgiven, but the disciples themselves will need to forgive and be forgiven too. So he continues. He says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Now, when someone sins against you, Jesus is, I don't know, some Christians are just weird. They, they think if you pretend it's not so, it's going to go away. No, the reality is it's just going to get worse. Jesus is saying when someone harms you, you're not to pretend like it's not so. We're not to walk around pretending it didn't happen. I know people want that of me as their pastor. Come and pretend that that didn't just happen to you. And they think that's leadership. no. Leadership is not pretending. It's dealing with the issue. Now, Jesus is not saying that we need to keep, uh, you know, a record of all the tiny, petty things that people do to us. But he's talking about when someone harms you in a significant way. We must speak the truth in love, but with the purpose of restoring that relationship. You see, we must be bold. We must be uncompromising and and fearless and address the wrong. But make sure every step of the way you never tire of forgiving. Jesus said, if he repents, forgive him. Now in Judaism, if you forgave three times, it was commendable. It was honorable. But Jesus continues... He says, and if he sins against you seven times in a day. Now, this is a whole lot of sinning because, you know, if we sleep eight hours, it's only 16 waking hours. This means every couple hours, this person has done something to you reprehensible. I mean, he apologized, not the next day. I mean, a couple hours later. Then he apologized, a couple hours. I mean, this is some serious, serious stuff. And it sounded impossible to the disciples, I'm like yeah, they're like, who can love God this much? The guy who stretched out his arms high and wide. The more people, the more problems. Why? Because we can't help but take ourselves everywhere we go. We got issues. And then when my issues join your issues. We compound the issues. And then we have a third party coming together with us. Then we get someone on the phone with another set of issues. Wherever you got people, you're going to have issues and problems. So Jesus said, here's the antidote. And if seven times in a day he or she returns you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him what he was saying is if enemies that ought to be thrown in the Potomac repent and God accepts them how much more should you and I accept a repentant brother or sister you see there's no love without forgiveness and no forgiveness without love every time we refuse to forgive not only does our heart shrink Two sizes, but our life shrinks. You see, our life shrinks or expands in direct proportion to one's courage to let things go. And if you can't forgive, you will eventually have a very, very small circle of friends. We say, why am I so lonely? Why haven't you let go? Because you start with, you know, this bushel, big old group of friends. But then they do something. Then they do something. Then you X them out, X them out, X them out. And then before you know it, you're down to you. And then it's just the family that desires to torture themselves by visiting you in the holidays. But even then, even then, our capacity to forgive... It's actually our capacity to maintain relationship. Because all of us are broken. All of us do stuff. Now, please do not mishear me because people mishear me and do dangerous things. Now, we are to love people unconditionally, but we're not to trust people unconditionally. That's important. So, if that man beat you yesterday, love him and forgive him. But you may not want to trust him and close your eyes when you go to sleep. I won't say that in the next service. <laughs> the point I'm making <laughs> is trust is earned. But if we're going to continue in relationship, I don't have to trust you to love you. In fact, I don't have to trust you to really kind of enjoy and appreciate what God's done in your life and, 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 and who you are. Let, let's keep going. Verse 5, i move it slowly. And when the disciples heard this, they they said, man, this is a tall order. They said, Lord, increase our faith. The disciples immediately knew that they, they were incapable of measuring up to such a tall order. You see, forgiveness is so much easier to receive than to give. You see, you would expect Jesus to say, well, you know what, you know, it's going to be easy, no problem. Jesus never promises that forgiveness will be easy. In fact, forgiveness is some of the hardest stuff you will ever do in life. Gandhi reflected, he said, the weak cannot forgive because it's only a quality of the strong. And forgiveness will take your measure as a person. Forgiveness will take your measure as a man or a woman. You don't have to be big to be bitter, is a whole lot of small people angry and upset. It takes a big heart, a gracious heart, to be hung on the cross and yet say, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." So the Lord said, "They were like, increase our faith," and God's like, "No, no, 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 no. You don't need more faith." If you just have the basic faith. You see, the problem wasn't the size of the faith, but the genuineness of the faith. You see, it doesn't take a whole lot of enriched uranium to make a nuclear bomb. Just the authentic stuff. And the Bible says that actually faith can move mountains. The Bible said that that, that when, when, when Peter walked on the water, he said, oh, you have little faith. Why'd you doubt? Meaning it didn't take a lot of faith, just genuine faith, for Peter to walk on a stormy ocean. So if the Bible says that that he's given us faith that can move mountains, don't be surprised if every now and then God hands you a shovel. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, Jesus used something that everyone was aware of, agriculture and farming to explain and describe the forgiveness process. And if you think forgiveness is just a high moment and and it's done, you're missing it. Forgiveness for the typical human being is a process. And he explains that. He says, now, if you have faith like a seed, and a seed does nothing until it's sown, a mustard seed, we know from, from other scriptures, it starts off as, as one of the smallest of all seeds. And uh, starts off as the smallest of all seeds, but, 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 but it also grows into one of the largest garden plants. So when we first decide to forgive, that decision almost feels futile against all the hurt, all the pain, all the anger. And then we have this little bitty decision that, I mean, compared to the mount, I mean, we've been meditating on this for days. We've gone over and over and over and over it. I mean, this big thing in our heart and mind, and, and we think that, that, you know, how is this, this little bitty, you know, decision to let go going to ever rise up to the level of what somebody did to you? Somebody did to me. But here's the deal. If that little seed, that little decision is kept alive over time it will grow. And it will only be a matter of time before it becomes one of the biggest and best decisions of your life. He said if you have, he's talking about forgiveness, this is the context. Seven times seven. They're like, man, we can't do that, that Lord increase. He's like, no, no, no. It's like you got the faith you need. If you have faith as a seed If, you, if you're willing to, to work the process You can say to the mulberry tree Now the King James Version says Sycamine tree Now the mulberry tree and the sycamine tree In the same family We're not going to do a biology lesson And, and I, I'm not a botanist either So I'm not trying to uh, you know, uh, uh, put on a, a show here The reality is I, I, you know, they, I don't know a lot about trees <laughs> I don't So I'm going to leave it to the scholars to decide which tree Jesus was referring to. But after I researched the sycamine tree, it became easy for me to understand why some translators translated it as sycamine. So for the purpose of illustration, we're going to translate this word sycamine tree. He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this sycamine tree. Number one, the sycamine tree has a very, very aggressive and wide root system. It could dry, it it could grow, sorry, in some of the driest and most arid circumstances. Why is this significant? Because bitterness grows fastest when we let our hearts grow dry, dusty, and dull. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree "Be pull, or this, this sycamine tree, be pulled up by the what? Roots.
2: This has been a classic edition of the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue this teaching. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at GraceChurchVA.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at TV. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big.
1: If your family's like mine, the holidays are a time of love, sharing, and folks getting together. This can be a fun, refreshing, rewarding time, but it can also be a season of a lot of stress. A few hours into a certain family member's visit, you're reminded why you don't spend so much time with that person anymore. The snide comments, rivalry, and the conflict can become sometimes just a little bit much. Each family's different, but I encourage you to expect conflict. But remember, love has a way of turning even our worst enemies into friends. If things get heated, keep a cool head. Even if you have the right to snap back, remember, a soft answer turns away wrath. We will all have our moments, but I'm confident that you have what it takes to turn this holiday into something special.